Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome once again to Mother Angelica Answering the Call, the program that guarantees you'll never get a busy signal because Mother already picked up the phone for all these calls that came in for her live show from the viewers and her family prayer partners over the years. I'm Doug Keck. Joining me, as always, is our network chaplain and Mother Angelica's confidant, the one and only Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Great to be with you, Father. I always like to hear Mother's personal stories of growing up, and we're going to hear a very moving story that she tells in this very first segment about uh, growing up in a family of divorce. Absolutely. She talks about that. Also, unite your pain with Jesus. What happens after you take solemn vows and praying to have children? But first up, Mother Angelica talks about divorce. She's responding to somebody Mm -hmm. who's going through that. And, of course, Mother can relate directly to that. She can. And, you know, the thing that really moved me was how Mother's in the monastery. Her father had left. He didn't pay alimony. And um, he comes there, and he's, he's really sorry. He's crying. But the thing that especially moved me is that he said, is there anything that I can do for you? And she asked for something simple. She could have said, no, you rat. You know, you didn't do anything for us, you know. But she said, yes, as a way that he could make some recompense for his past. And I thought that was a very beautiful thing, that she could see his desire to do differently and she would encourage that. That's a great take on it, the The idea that it was something so simple, like you said, that mm-hmm. many people would say, well, like you said, I won't soil my hands with anything you can. Where right. were you when we really needed you? Mm-hmm. Don't try and make it up to me now. And so she could understand human weakness, and she brings that out, you know, that we all have that particular um, weakness, fallenness in our own nature, and that we need to bring out the good in each other. Right. You know, that's what love does. It can see the potential of the other. And I think Mother could do that in an extraordinary way. She could see your potential, but she could also see when you weren't living up to it. (laughs) And she could exhort you and encourage you in a loving way, um, you know, to get moving that you can do more, and the Lord wants you to do more, and I'm encouraging you to do it. Exactly, and it's interesting, too, because the thing Mother asks for is renews it. And I thought, (laughs) there's an old-time product, but you think of it having to do with renewal Mm -hmm. at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. We could. Because um, the thing is, it's not how we begin, it's how we end. And I think her own mother, who was really bitter over the divorce, she had a reconciliation that happened before she died with, you know, Mother Angelica's mother, or her father, her father. Well, you can't take that into heaven, so mm-hmm. you better let go now and save yourself some heartache. Let's see what Mother had to say about her parents' divorce and letting go. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Um, Where are you from? <laughs> um, I have a question for you. Um, real quick, my dad died when I was real young. I have two brothers and sisters, and my mom just... I mean, she loved us, but she didn't operate correctly. She got married real soon after that, and there's just a lot of water under the bridge. I resent a lot of things financially and emotionally and so forth and so on, and I'm, and I'm 33, and 
I want to get it behind me, and I do love her, but I want to know how can I forgive her, and how can I just let go of all that, and she is the way she is, and just live with it because she's not going to change. Can you just kind of give me some advice there, please? Yeah, I can give you some advice. Uh, I think you need to look at your mother in a different way. Perhaps the loss of your father was such that she couldn't stand it, and that was her way of forgetting, her way of living up to it, her way of enduring. Maybe what she did or didn't do wasn't the right thing. But you can look at it as a penance. You know, I learned a lot when my parents were divorced when I was six years old. That's when hell began. I learned a lot. Because that kind of suffering can be very meritorious for you. Tonight before you go to bed, say, Jesus, bless my mother. And thank you for all the pain and suffering of my life. It's all up there waiting for us. If you haven't been able to accept it, accept it now. Forgive her now. If you don't forgive her, it's going to stay in your heart till you die. And, and why make yourself more miserable by having an unforgiving spirit, huh? We don't know why people react the way they do. But we are responsible for the way I respond to their actions. So please forgive. When I was in the monastery, I was a junior professor. That means I was in temporary vows. My father finally came to see me. I was shocked. I only saw him seven times in my whole life. And my abbess came to me and she said, your father is here. And I said, huh? She said, your father's here and your aunt is with him. I never knew I had an aunt. So I went to the parlor and we had the grates. And he looked at me and he started to cry. He said, this is your Aunt Mary. And I said, hello, Aunt Mary. And he said, uh, are you happy? And I said, yes. And he cried and cried. Finally, he said to me, do you need anything? Well, <laughs> I was shocked because he never asked me that in my whole life. In fact, alimony was supposed to be $5 a week. And one time, he never gave it. I used to go up to that uh, courthouse, and it looked like that desk was 10 feet tall, you know. And I'd go up there, and I'd say, uh, my, I'm Rita Rizzo, is there any alimony? And she'd say, no, honey, not today. So finally, I saw him. I found out where he worked. I'm like 9, 10 years old. And my mother would not go. So I thought, well, I'll go. So I found out where he worked, and he gave, he gave me 50 cents. So I went home and uh, gave it to my mother, and I won't tell you what she said. <laughs> uh, so then a couple of weeks later, I went to the courthouse in order to get alimony again, and the girl said, well, he gave you $5, honey. And I said, no, he didn't. She said, I have a receipt here. He put two zeros after the, the 50 cents. I never went back again. So when he said, do you need anything, I almost dropped dead. 
I said, yeah. My, my father was in dry cleaning business and, and, and tailor. And I said, I need some renews it. You know, it used to be a cleaning fluid. I don't know if you have it anymore. And so about a, a week later, he came back. And he had this can in his hand. And he looked at me and he said, uh, I'm sorry. He said, tell your mother I'm sorry. Well, that taught me a lesson. Say I had never seen him again, or say he had never come to the monastery to see me, I would have never known he was sorry, see? If I'd have hated him, I would have been so wrong in the eyes of God because he was sorry, see? So we all have, you know, we all have our problems, huh? And some are, are very hard at the time, but you can bet that there's much good within it. Moving on, another tough topic, unite your pain with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is a way to deal with it, isn't it, Father? It really is. You know, I was talking uh, last or a couple episodes ago, talking about visiting the sisters recently, and Sister Regina, who was the first Alabama vocation, she said, you know, Mother Angelica never complained about her physical pain, different things that she was going through, that she never really heard her complain. And how was it that Mother could do that? It was because she could understand that I can unite this pain with Christ's pain. I can offer this, and I can turn it into an act of love. And so this is really the, what the saints learn to do. I think we all need to learn how to do it. It's not something we kind of do instinctively right away, typically. But we learn how to unite our pain to Jesus and turn it into an act of love. I think it's one of the great insights of the Catholic Church, the idea of, in, in a sense, of offering things up and that kind of sacrificial mm -hmm. nature of not wasting suffering. Right. It doesn't mean you go out looking for it, right. but as some people try to say. But, and also the idea, Mother has this great image of, of saying, when, when, the, when our God the Father looks at you and sees you in pain, he sees his son. Yeah, that we do share in his cross. We share in his cross. And I think Fatima was one of the things that really confirmed that truth, that gospel truth. The children were taught. Here's children taught to offer up what was difficult in their lives. Absolutely. Unite your pain with Jesus. Hello? Hello? Where are you from? Western New York. And what is your question? Uh, sister, um, I often um, can, I don't know if I can relate to to the suffering that Jesus went through, but I get very angry because I'm all in constant pain. Uh -huh. And I try to offer up this pain. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard for me to do that sometimes. You get angry? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Because I'm in constant pain. And I want to go to church so much. And I can't. Well, uh, because I, I have to take it easy for two days afterwards. I'm like, you know, I get so tired. You get tired of pain. I know I get tired if I go to church when I'm in pain, but I, I have to go to church. Um, you get tired be, because of the effort to go to church? Uh, yeah, just the, uh, the walk there to church. I know. You know, it's not, when I'm in church, I love being there. I, I don't want to leave. But, you know, I think you have to close up the church once in a while. Well, let me tell you something, honey. Um, when you talk about pain, we all get tired of it. 
you know? Especially if it's a long term. I've had pain now. I can't remember a day even before I entered the convent. I didn't have some kind of pain. Once in a while, your poor human nature kind of rebels, huh? But when you're aware of that, say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. And we take medicine, we go to doctors, but many times none of that helps us. At that point, then, we need to make that pain into something beautiful. I say, Jesus, I give it to you. I imitate you on the way to the cross. It must have been hard for him to walk. It's hard for me to walk. But I have that deep awareness, and you should too. If it was hard for him and he fell three times, then I will unite my pain with his. And then rise again. Rise again. See? Uh, you shouldn't be angry. And going to church cannot ever be an occasion of sin because you get tired or it's hard for you to get there. Don't be angry. The Father, when he looks at you, sees his son Jesus in a very special way. You are suffering servants. Pray for priests. Pray for theologians who no longer believe in Jesus as Lord or his resurrection or his Eucharistic presence and teach it that way too, which is horrible. Pray for the faithful who are confused. Offer your pain for those who refuse to walk towards Jesus and walk away from Jesus. See? You do that. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And we very much appreciate you staying with us here for Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Part 2. Doug Keck with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here at the network. Mm -hmm. And our topic to kick things off, Father, is what happens after you take solemn vows? Yes, and a number of them, including this sister, I was the uh, celebrant for the Mass. And, uh, you know, I often say to the sisters that they're the heart and we're the voice. So the church has two patrons for her missionary activity, the contemplative St. Therese and the missionary St. Francis Xavier. And I think what a blessing it is to us to have the support of the sisters, their prayer, their intercession for the network, for the souls that hear the radio broadcasts, the television broadcasts. What a blessing it is that it's bearing more fruit because of those prayers. Absolutely, and it's interesting. So do you take solemn vows, Father? We take perpetual vows. So we don't live in a cloister. Of course, we're active community, but we do take lifetime vows. They're called perpetual vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So that's the distinction Mother's making here between nuns 
and sisters, sisters would be more active, where the nuns is living more of the monastic life at a monastery. Right, with the idea of it cloistered versus, and she talks about the idea, like you said, a monastery and the fact that a convent, because so many of us grew up, at least mm-hmm. in, in my age bracket, you know, we were taught by the nuns at the grammar school and the sisters lived in the convent. Mm-hmm. Yes, and some don't understand really the monastic vocation. They say, well, what do they do? And this, this woman's asking, you know, is she going to be teaching? Is she going to be doing this? But their life is reparative thanksgiving for those who never give thanksgiving for our Lord's presence in the Blessed Sacrament. And that has effect. You know, I said to the sisters when I met with them up in Hansville, I said, wherever there is love and devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, where there's adoration, it radiates forth. Absolutely. So that's what we Absolutely. And that's why we say to people all the time, we'd love your support, but you know what's really important? Pray. Let's see what Mother has to say about what happens after you take solemn vows. We have another call. Hello? Hello? Hi, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. And what is your question for New Jersey? Boy, we got a lot of them here. (laughs) (laughs) What is your question? You're you're such a delightful person. Can you speak louder, please? You're such a delightful person. Thank Uh, you. Mother, I just wanted to ask about, um, I happen to see, I'm changing the subject a little bit. but Okay, we don't care. Easter Sunday Mass. And you, uh, there was a nun taking her final vow. Sister Agnes? Oh, what a beautiful nun. <laughs> Mother, you know, Why are you laughing? She's well, beautiful. you're right. She's a beautiful nun. And Mother, I looked at the way you were so proud of her. You smiled at her when she uh, took her final vows. And uh, uh, when I went to work the next day, there were several people in the office who happened to catch your show and saw this beautiful uh, mass uh, and this nun taking her final vows. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to ask, or, or I'm lucky I got you this evening because it's been on our minds and we're praying for the mm-hmm. new sister and for you. What is her vocation like? Is she going to be a teacher or what will she be doing? Will she ever be on a show with you? I don't think. (laughs) Uh, Sister uh, and I uh, belong to a cloistered community. We live in a specific space. We have woods that the sisters walk on. Uh, The sisters don't leave that space unless it's necessary, like going to doctor, dentist, buying shoes, whatever. Uh, it takes eight years to take solemn vows. You're a postulant a year, you're a novice two years, and then you take vows, single vows, you say vows for every year for five years. So after that, our entire life, and what makes us a monastery, is part that solemn vow. A solemn vow means that she makes a, a vow to live in poverty, in chastity, without property, in obedience, and in closure. So she takes four vows, and our life is geared entirely through or to the Blessed Sacrament. We have our dear Lord exposed, and all those people are here have been to Mass, and they've been in the chapel. 
Uh, we have our dear Lord exposed every day from six to nine, sometimes ten, four nights a week, all night long. And we do that to give him honor and glory, to thank him for those who never thank him for anything, to pray for the dying and those who have sudden deaths, for those who die in their sleep, for those who have accidents, for those who don't even know God, for those who hate God, for those even in the church who have strayed from the right path, strayed from the teachings of the church, strayed from the beauty of the church. That's her life. It will not change. Uh, it took eight years to just say, I desire nothing but God. It means that sister cannot own anything, nor may she receive anything. She got a lot of little cards, and in each card was $5 or $10, and it went from the card to me to the bookkeeper. She'll never see it again. <laughs> and she may never say, Mother, I would like to use this for that. She can never say that anymore. Everything she has belongs to the community. Everything, from her habit to the chair she sits on. Now, we're a monastery, we're not a convent. We're nuns, we're not sisters. And the difference is, number one, to be a monastery of women and to be a nun, you have to have solemn vows, you have to have enclosure, which means there's perimeters you cannot go beyond. It also means, we have say the divine office in public. So if you come in our chapel at six o'clock, 10 after six or 11 or 420, you're going to hear the sisters chant in public the Psalms and the readings. That's what makes solemn vows. Um, so there's, that is her life, you see, Jesus is her life. And wrapping things up for this program this week, praying to have children. I'm sure you've heard about that quite a bit from various couples over the years, Father. Yes, and I can think of uh, a number of couples that they turned to Mother Angelica and the sisters, and now they have children. And I think who Mother was talking about here is our head of our Spanish division at EWTN. And, uh, in fact, I just ran into them at, on Ash Wednesday and saw their oldest boy, Jonathan, who was, after Mother and the sisters prayed, he was the fruit of that prayer and uh, just a beautiful young man today. Right, and I remember another time uh, there was a young woman who was having trouble conceiving, and she actually went up uh, for an event we had specifically mm -hmm. at the shrine and got Mother to pray over her, and uh, next thing you know, she had twins. <laughs> yes, there was a, a young man who had come into the uh, chapel here in Irondale, and his little son was there, and he said, this is Ignatius, and we came and asked Mother to pray when we were childless, and now we have five children. We've come to ask them to stop. <laughs> of course, he was joking because he loved his kids, and uh, they were so grateful, so they came back again. Right, and one of the things I would say from this call is don't worry about uh, what name somebody tells you your child's going to be, <laughs> right? Exactly. You work that out yourself. Mm -hmm. So let's see what Mother has to say about praying to have children. Now we have a call. I don't know what we're going to have a call about, but hello. 
Hello, my name is Todd. Hi, where are you from? Uh, Louisiana. What is your question? My question is, uh, I was at work, I guess a couple of months ago, and there was a lady that came in, and she's a Christian lady, and we started talking about this and that, and we started talking about kids. And me and my wife don't have any kids yet, and we've been married about seven years. Mm. And she said, throughout the conversation, towards the end, she says, look, she says, don't worry about kids. She says, I think that y'all are going to have a boy. And she says, you are to call him Nathaniel. And I thought, first of all, I don't like the name Nathaniel. <laughs> I thought, you know, but if we had one, if this some kind of special message, you know, hey, I'll name him whatever I'm supposed to. You know, but I thought, it, can people really get that kind of message to someone who needs that message, or is that even anything to acknowledge? Thank you very much. Well, I don't know. It would be very hard to judge the particular woman who said that. You know, she may have had discernment from the Lord. It may just may be a, an idea that came to her mind. I know one thing that uh, people who haven't had children have come here, and it seems to be our specialty, you know. Yeah. Uh, one woman didn't have any children for nine years, and she had twins. And uh, I think one of our employees, when we started here, didn't have any children. Now he's got five, and he was married 11 years or something like that. I mean, it, it seems that, that um, I'm going to put you, what is your name? Are you there yet? Todd, okay? Todd, we're going to put you and your wife on our altar. And watch out. <laughs> I'm serious because it always happens, you know, I don't know why. That of all things, we have a specialty, and it's that one. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.